2022. It's been a pretty wild ride. In the technology sphere, we've seen the metaverse growing to peak expectations, Web3 and crypto with huge highs and lows, and AI apps like Delhi weighing in on the creative space. But did it all go as expected? And what will next year hold? In this, our final episode of the series, I've invited two friends and experts from Society to look at the year we've had and make some predictions for the one to come. Our Vice President Mike Boop, alias Mr. Metaverse, and our AI guru, Tiana Nikolic. Welcome back to Playing With Reality with me, Menno van Dorn, a new podcast series from Society, the home for technology talent. Cast your mind back to December 2021. It feels like a long time ago, doesn't it? Back then, the metaverse, which has been our focus for this first series of Playing With Reality, had only just come into the global spotlight. After Mark Zuckerberg's announcement, it was all that companies in the tech space wanted to talk about. And that's continued throughout the year. But did the metaverse blow up in the way he expected? Was his gamble in changing Facebook's name to Meta really worth it? Well, it's something that we've tried to explore in this series. We've taken you all the way back to the Metaverse beginnings, from the Roadmap conference in 2006, through to how it's been utilized in popular culture, gaming, engineering and virtual reality today. So we thought it would be only fitting to end this series by looking back on how the metaverse and how one other big technology trend, AI, have fared in 2022. So I wanted to speak to a couple of my colleagues here at Society to see what they got right and what they got wrong, their biggest surprises and what they envision for the year ahead. First up, you'll hear from Tiana or Tia Nikolic. She's an AI specialist with us at Society. Tia has a diverse background in biology, marketing, and IT. And in 2020, she was part of the team behind the Artificial Data Amplifier, the winner of Society Innovation of the Year. Her work covers a huge range of things, but she has a strong emphasis on privacy, quality, ethics, and sustainability all things we talked about in the context of AI today. But this week, I wanted to do a bit of a roundtable. So I also invited Vice President of Society, Mike Buop, to join me and Tia for a chat. Mike is a real Society veteran. He's been with us for the past 17 years, and he is also a metaverse expert. And he is, of course, very passionate about the power of immersive technologies and positioning Society as the leaders in thinking about this technology. I sat down with Tia and Mike and started off by asking them about what their predictions were for this year. Okay, hello. Are you are you ready to travel back in time? To travel back in time? Always. Yeah. And in the future. <laughs> 2021, the end, maybe December somewhere. 
and you might have had some expectations of what would be coming technology-wise in the year 2022. Can you still at least remember whether you had expectations about the tech year? And if so, what your expectations uh, were? Maybe Tia, you first. Yes, I remember that far, far away year of 2021. (laughs) (laughs) But based on what I expected actually was that generative models are going to make a big, not return, but they're going to make a big bang. Let's say it like that. And I uh, expected that we will have more focus on scalability of artificial intelligence and production with the use of cloud services. And um, those expectations actually came through and they actually were much, much bigger than I expected. They made a much bigger bang. bang. So, yeah. Wow. And you already answered my second question, but uh, still okay. I'm too fast. Maybe before I jump to Mike with the same question, no surprise, Mike. Can you explain what generative AI is for people that don't have a clue? Of course I can. So generative AI is uh, machine learning or artificial intelligence models that are used to generate specific types of data. So it can be anything. It can be also audio data that we can talk a bit more about. Mm -hmm. It can be images. It can be tabular data that you can use for testing, for example. So it can be as functional as you want and pragmatic and as glamorous and creative as you want. Sounds like we need to talk more about generative AI. Absolutely. (laughs) So, Mike, where were you in December 2021 and what were your expectations? Yeah, so December 21, I mean, it was a couple months after the buzz around the metaverse, right? I think it was when, I think September of 2021 is when Zuckerberg said he's going to uh, kind of change the name of Facebook to Meta and get into the metaverse, which set off a whole firestorm of what is this metaverse? And then what we did was, hey, we did, you know, let's figure out what is this, right? What's going to be our point of view, how we're going to advise clients. So that really, I spent the last quarter, I'd say, of 2021 just spending a lot of time going deep into this, quote, metaverse, even though we've been in this space for over a decade, right? We've been doing this type of work for clients, mostly in the enterprise side. But um, so it wasn't new to us, but we had to kind of morph into this, you know, what is this metaverse and how we're going to move forward. And do you still remember what your expectations were for the for the coming year? Yeah, I mean, it definitely pivoted because I wasn't expecting to be, you know, this deep into the metaverse, right? Uh, uh, you know, throughout 2021 until that last quarter. And so in 2021, I figured I'd be doing a lot of research, continuing doing the research, start doing uh, some proof of concepts for clients, and then just also just educating folks, right? You know, helping our clients figure out what the metaverse is, what it isn't, you know, you know, what would their, you know, how to advise them on their metaverse strategy, how to get them started, and then just, you know, skilling folks up in that in that domain. So then the other question, the question of the expectations that you had meet uh, reality in last year. So did you actually do all this education or? No, and then some, right? I mean, oh. we started doing these, what we call metaverse workshops for clients. And I think to date, I've probably done around 36 to 40 of these for clients across different industries, right? That the usual suspects of retail and uh, consumer product companies, but then also again, ones that I wouldn't expect to be early adopters or at least early interest like financial services, healthcare and others. Okay, so your life was run by workshops. So, Tia, 
Have you ever done workshops? Was 2022 a year of doing workshops? A year of doing workshops. Uh-huh. Because Mike is always, when he talks about metaverse <laughs> and all these cool <laughs> things, it's always about workshops. Yeah, it's quite nice to see. the Yeah, and also very tangible. Well, we try to do as many workshops as possible, especially regarding generative AI can be anything else. Also different services in the cloud. So yeah, to answer your question, we do have quite a lot of them, hmm. but more also hackathons. We also do a lot of hackathons. So as part of our team, the AI Center of Excellence here, we really focus to bring hackathons every single week, small ones, and also join these global hackathons that we have. Right now we have the Intel Sustainability Hackathon. So yeah. The Intel Sustainability Hackathon, we were part of recently, was a great event held in San Jose, California. Its aim was to see how AI could be used for social good. This is something that I know Tia really looks for in her work, especially around the ethics of AI. The growth of AI and the metaverse in 2022 has come along with an important focus on social good, alongside sustainability solutions to the environmental issues that it causes. There's always good in between the bad news stories. But enough of predictions for now. What were the big trends of the year in reality? And what was the technology that came through to truly surprise our guests? I went back to Tia and Mike to find out. Can you share with us some of your surprises and maybe give a couple of examples? Definitely. So I think one of the examples you're well aware of already, it's DALI, Mm. uh, the way it made a big bang and also a big dent on the creative community. And uh, also it was very, very impressive. The results are very impressive and they also open up an entire new story and area of research in AI that I'm very interested in personally and we also focus on in uh, my team. And that's the ethical use of AI. Also, the Mm. if you followed how DALI was uh, published, in the beginning, there were some issues around the bias in the model and some like uh, the ethical part of it. And then also the research around it was driven, not just on the creative side and the performance, but also on the ethical side. So for me, it was very interesting to see like how many people were using it and then also those ethical impacts that it had. Because if you have so many users uh, using it from different areas, not just AI practitioners, you have this uh, ethical area that's opening up with more and more questions around the practicality of it and the impact on the users. So that was uh, very interesting to see unfold. Definitely regarding uh, that model. And Dali, I mean, we, we can talk hours and hours exactly. about Dali. It's so fantastic. I think one of the ethical elements that I'm intrigued of is if you're an artist and people are using your art to train a model, then everybody can copycat you without stealing your art, but creating the same style of art. Is, is that some of the ethical aspects of AI that you talk about? or Exactly. That is one aspect, definitely on, um, well, firstly, on the job market. Let's talk about it from an even lower perspective. So if you can use this very quickly, and also we now see there's no wait list for DALI anymore. They're also going to probably open up the API to be used for more and more uh, iterations, not just, uh, I don't know, I forget how many we had in the beginning, around 10 or 15 prompts. 
and now it's more. So now the question is, how is that going to impact the creative side on, of the industry, the people that actually are doing this for money and uh, how will they adapt? And then also, Mano, your point, exactly. If you're using the open images on the internet to train this model, then the question is, if you have a very distinct style as an artist, now everyone can create new, unique those are unique artworks with no copyright with your style. So that those are like open questions that I don't have an answer for definitely, but it's something that people that uh, create AI and that uh, train AI models always have to have in the back of their mind. How is this going to impact someone that's using it? Is there any anything related to the metaverse or other types of technology, Mike, that made you surprised like DALI or as big as DALI OpenAI? I'd say, I'd say not yet. I mean, again, because if we, if we just talk in terms of the metaverse, right? I mean, the, the metaverse really isn't anything new, right? Its roots are in gaming. So it's been around for, for you know, since the, the early 2000s, right? If you think kind of The Sims, Second Life, you know, uh, Habo Hotel. Today, there, there's many metaverses, right? You know, Fortnite, Minecraft, Roblox, and you have some of the other platforms. But nothing's really surprised me yet just because there isn't really a clear definition of the metaverse, which again, I think we're, we're, we shouldn't try to define it. Ask 10 different people, you're gonna get 10 different answers on what the metaverse is, but you'll see some of the common traits, different folks' definitions kind of surface, right? Which you'll, you'll, you'll find some common themes to what the metaverse is. Or is it that people that haven't or have never heard about metaverse technologies, 3D, that these people are surprised? I mean, if you haven't seen Second Life, then uh, Decentraland is a big surprise maybe. It is. It's a surprise for folks. And it's it, the folks are also really surprised to see, you know, what already is being done in the metaverse, right? What companies are already participating in the metaverse? What experiences you can already have in the metaverse, right? If you think, you know, Travis Scott, right? He held a concert in Fortnite that got around 28 million people to attend that concert in Fortnite. That, that's, that, that's surprising to folks. Or that Ally Bank is uh, creating something in Minecraft to, to, to teach people about financial literacy through, through playing Minecraft. Right. People were always surprised and blown away by, oh, my gosh, I didn't realize that, 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 that that's a use case I didn't even think of. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So surprises at both sides of the spectrum, metaverse and AI. So you're deep in the community, uh, the AI community, Tia. So how did other people in the community respond to, to everything happening now? I, mean, I still remember we were talking about the, the winter of AI not so long ago, and it's now, it's now booming. Can you share some of the excitement with the people that you're working with? Yes, uh, definitely. We were very excited when we saw like how popular these models are and how many people are using them, because then it also shows you it's it's validating, right? You're doing something that people find so useful and so creative. And you see, for example, I'm on all social media. I'm on TikTok as well. You see on TikTok more and more people talking about generative models. GANs, for example, which we mm. worked with two years yeah. ago, synthetic data. And uh, you're amazed, like you feel, uh, yeah, it's very validating and uh, great. But then it opens up another again, area of research or topic, it's around really how difficult is this to put in production and actually use in a normal, let's say normal business setting. And this is where we were very also amazed this year by the advancements in 
machine learning operations or ML ops, mm -hmm. which is basically like DevOps uh, or yeah, basically uh, services in the cloud that, that can um, automate uh, your development and putting stuff into production, but for AI models. And now we can see more and more cloud providers providing different templates for this scalability of AI in production. AutoML, for example, as well, where you don't have to spend too much time training your model, etc. So to us, to our entire team, as much as we were excited about this creative uh, AI and generative AI, we were even more excited about the fact that we now have services in the cloud that are so democratized that we can actually use them to put this in production, monitor it and have scalable solutions that we can uh, drive business impact with. It pops to my mind. So the work that you're doing for KLM, and you could maybe elaborate a little bit about it, virtual training for pilots, you could call it a metaverse also. Maybe you can explain what you're actually what you're doing over there. And then I would like to have Mike's comment on that part of the metaverse and what he thinks the direction that it will take. I'm so glad you asked about this project because it's literally my favorite project. So I always like to talk about it. And uh, yeah, as you said, Mano, uh, we can also liken it to a digital twin. It is a, a virtual training simulation for uh, pilots. KLM is making these simulations and uh, they're quite impressive. So basically, instead of taking a pilot to an actual plane, you can put them into a virtual reality app and they, they can... Uh, basically do whatever they want in there. But the point is to actually train them how to behave in a specific uh, airplane. And what we did is, I will tell you a quick story from the beginning. So KLM reached out to us and said, you guys are great with testing and AI, we trust you. Can you give us a nice example of how AI can be used for testing? And we want to do it in virtual reality. And we were super excited. We collected people from different divisions in Sojitif, so from vir virtual reality developers, from high tech, everything. And we went there, had a great brainstorming session, and we figured out that we can actually use non-playable characters to act as testers in VR apps. Hmm. And for people that are on the call, non-playable characters or NPCs, I think most people know it, especially if you're into gaming, are a uh, yeah, powered by AI or reinforcement learning. So those are specific types of uh, AI models that actually learn how to operate in a specific environment. You can teach them what sort of objectives they need to reach. You can reward their actions and you can also uh, give negative reward for actions that you want to basically punish, for lack of a better word. And then they learn what to do in an environment based on what you teach them. And what we thought um, this model or agent, as we called it, is to uh, run through the environment and uh, because it's a cockpit, just try to break stuff. And then we save everything uh, that it did into a log file. Then we run an additional model on it and we extract things that we, we deem a bit weird or outliers, as we call them. So something that is not right, not in the normal distribution. And based on that, we could actually save steps in the VR applications that the agent took to break something. And then the developers can replay it on their screen and they can see what they need to fix. So what we did is actually use AI to test and also created something that can easily be added to the CI/CD pipeline. So when you do releases, you do some adjustments in the code, you do a release, we can quickly run that model and you can always see if something has been broken in the environment if you introduce the code change. And KLM loved this. So 
you can, uh, if you are interested, also go to the YouTube of Sojeti and you can take a look. We have a, a talk around it from QX Day for, uh, from this year. I'm still a bit, little bit puzzled that you need an AI to break things and, and then you create value. So from breaking things, creating value. Uh, <laughs> but that's how you create value in testing. If you yeah, break more things, yeah, then uh, less things are going to be broken when you put it in front of the users. So. Yeah, I'm not going to ask you, Mike, whether you love to break things, but uh, you know, looking looking at this version, you know, where were you talking about uh, this version of the metaverse, where you create a uh, a digital twin of the real reality? Where do you see this going? What are the have you seen other crazy examples of of these kinds of applications in the metaverse? Yeah, I have, Meadow, and this is where again, what what you're seeing is most people think of the metaverse as more of your consumer facing, right? So used for entertainment gaming, maybe a brand experience, but there is this notion mm. of, you know, kind of the corporate metaverse, right? Using these experiences to do training, learning, and onboarding, something that that we we build as a, as a, a proof of concept for a, a global coffee company was to train their workers and one, how to make the drinks, right? What ingredients and then how to operate the equipment. And then to Tiana's point about kind of those non-player characters, uh, also being able to handle customer interactions, right? So a fully immersed training simulator where they're actually, you know, before they get put into the real physical store to do some some kind of training and get kind of thrown to the fire, if you will, in, in a chaotic coffee shop. They can do this training and then they could get, you know, scored on it. How well did they do? Right. So they can do that repetitive kind of learning in a more of a VR virtual reality environment. And studies have shown that that uh, intent or retention rates are much higher in VR as opposed to other methods of learning. Yeah, I've I've spent some time over there. You invited me, so I'm I'm now a semi-professional coffee maker. <laughs> but uh, you know, the, the the sound of the coffee grinding machine is it's so. So what is, what's this about sound in the metaverse? Yeah, so Menno, that that's that's key to these, right? I mean, so again, the roots of, of the metaverse are in gaming. So there is, uh, you know, kind of the the concept of game feel, right? So these are things like you know audio, visual cues, um, haptic feedback with the controllers, right? When you when you press a button, does it yeah. kind of make an both an audible click, but then your controller does a little vibration, right, to give you that feedback. That all really helps kind of immerse in these these kind of these three D experiences. They're, they're key to these experiences. That reminds me, I was I spent some time with KLM last week in their XR uh, lab, and then they explained to me that they are also building a or they have built a physical cockpit because if you can feel the handles, this is like fa- haptic feedback in metaverse. So if you feel what you're doing and at the same time see through. XR, it's an extra special experience. I mean, this is a, a different kind of experience. It's a, it's the real reality and it's the virtual reality at the same time. Yes, it makes sense to me. For their uh, application, what they're trying to do, this makes absolute sense, definitely. We can also see it, for example, in engineering uh, courses or trainings. You have uh, specific screws in front of you, and then you can do operations in augmented reality on them. Try to, again, do specific sequence of actions that uh, you were assigned by your tutor, for example, something similar. So to me, yeah, definitely it makes sense. Also, the vibration of the controls that Mike was talking about, something that can really immerse you in the entire experience, something that makes it as realistic as possible. 
That project with KLM is one of my favorites to come out of the last year. It combines so many different things we've talked about in this series. It has elements of digital twins. It utilizes virtual reality. It's almost like a mini metaverse in its own right. The things which have really excited me this year are technologies which fuse a number of different things together. Not technology for technology's sake, but technology that creates useful, sustainable solutions. Social desirability is key. But will this be true of the year to come as well? Who are going to be the big winners in 2023? Let's find out. So Mike, if I listen to you and we talk about the metaverse and we talk about AI and these generative models, it's almost like science fiction has arrived, that we are living maybe 10, 20, 30 years, but we know it's also loaded with expectations. So, and, and I think metaverse, the question about the metaverse is, will it deliver all the value that you know we expect or we want to deliver? So how, how do you deal with that? Yeah. And again, I know expectations are or high, right? Uh, especially with, with how fast technology evolves, right? And how fast technology gets adopted. But I, I will temper kind of the expectations of the metaverse. Like I said, the metaverse really doesn't exist today. I mean, really, it's just a bunch of apps is, is kind of where we're at today. And, you, you know, some you can access via the web, some you can access via, you know, VR headset. Um, and some is an actual augmented reality. I, I believe we're around at least a decade away from really kind of the metaverse kind of, of, of what it's going to become. Um, if you think back to the early internet days, right, Meadow, I mean, you know, how, how the, when the internet was in its infancy and, and, you know, people were kind of feeling it out, you know, it took a while to evolve to get where, where you were able to shop online and then, you know, social media, right. You're going to see the same kind of, uh, evolution with the metaverse. And I also believe that, that, you know, in order for it to really take off, it's going to be through augmented reality, right? So, you know, having, you know, stylish glasses, men are like, I know folks, you know, can't see this, but, you know, you're wearing glasses, right? Being able to to put stuff out, you know, overlaying in the real world, because today we look at our phones, right? So you think how many times a day you look down at your phone, you won't have to do that, right? If we're all wearing, you know, augmented reality kind of glasses that are stylish or contact lenses, you're going to get that same interaction by just now you're not going to like keep looking down every five seconds, right? That, that people are addicted to their phones. But that's where I really think you're going to see the adoption take off is, is through AR, some of the AR use cases for the metaverse. Tia, can you explain how important AI is if uh, augmented reality arrives on your uh, with your glasses? So, what what's the role of AI? Yes. So, regarding augmented reality, the role of AI is very big because, of course, you can use uh, object detection algorithms to detect objects in your surroundings. You can overlay based on the position of those objects, for example. So, uh, I think it's a very nice combination of. VR and AI, and you can see actually how uh, important and how well those two work. What we can also do is, yeah, basically just look at depth and different positioning with uh, visual uh, models, with uh, computer vision and do specific actions. I think sky is the limit based on this, <laughs> regarding what you can do and yeah. develop. <laughs> so before we dive into the sky is the limit, which, which is next year, your expectations, what we will see and what you're excited about. When I was preparing our chat, I was thinking about the year 2022, and it was a wild year. 
by definition, but not only technology-wise. I mean, we have seen the Russian invasion in Ukraine, hyperinflation, energy prices go to the sky. Uh, we've seen some crypto bankruptcy FTX. IPCC reports uh, on the climate change saying that there's a narrowing window for action, Elon Musk buying Twitter, etc., etc., etc. So how important is the social economic context for either AI or the metaverse? Meadow, yeah, I, I think if we look at, again, all that's happened, those things you mentioned that are in the news and some of the, the societal impacts, I think the impact it's going to have on the metaverse, I think you're going to see um, uh, some kind of pause almost, right? Especially with inflation and some of the other things that are going on. I think a lot of people were educated in 2022 about the metaverse. I still think you're going to have clients start experimenting more in 2023, but but I think uh, it's almost like a, a wait and see or a holding pattern um, from making some of the, the bigger investments in the in this space, in my opinion. I agree with what Mike said regarding this. Sometimes it's uh, difficult to work with these innovative technologies because in these socioeconomic times, definitely uh, the uh, companies are going to focus more on cost optimization and keeping everything afloat, as you very nicely said, Mike. But uh, regarding artificial intelligence, uh, you can, of course, use those models to drive business decisions for cost op optimization, for example. And I think in terms of VR, you can also do that. For example, what we just spoke about, the KLM's use case with the uh, trainings and the cockpit, definitely you can uh, cut some costs there. Using digital twins also is a very nice way to test everything before breaking stuff in production and having an even bigger cost in the end, <laughs> for sure. And mm. uh, I want to also focus on one important thing here is actually using artificial intelligence for sustainability goals, which is uh, AI for good, uh, one big uh, topic that I'm also very interested in, mm -hmm. where you can use AI for supply chain optimization, for different route optimizations, cost optimization, as, as, as I just said, predictive analytics for industrial processes. So you can actually catch things before they break. So you don't have to react. You can be proactive. Hmm. Again, guys, the limit. Okay. Fast forward to 2023 then. Prediction time. If you would like to do a couple of predictions, I would like to say, what would they be? If I can start, oh, how the turntables. Now I do the prediction, not the AI model. <laughs> exactly. You said they're the other way around. <laughs> Absolutely. But I can do my best guess. Uh -huh. What I think is going to happen in next year regarding AI is a more push towards the sustainability factor of it. Yeah. So we did talk about generative models, and I'm going to try to make it very short and sweet here. But next to DALI, there are other generative models that are on the market that have billions and billions of parameters. Uh, those models, maybe you already heard of them. Those are GPT-3, also open AIs that can uh, generate text, uh, generate documents, and they can also generate code. Uh, it, they're very impressive, especially if you're a coder and you're a lazy coder and you want AI to do the work for you. But uh, they actually show, have shown that their training and inference, which is the act of asking for feedback from the model that has already been trained, actually have a huge carbon footprint. So 
what I predict in the next year is that we're going to have to really focus on this, trying to lower the carbon footprint of the applications that we make, not just AI, also IT. So there's going to be a strong mm. emphasis on cloud computing, green cloud, green IT, and uh, definitely the ethical part of it. So we saw in 2021, EU uh, released uh, actually a draft of a legislation for uh, ethical AI, a set of uh, different checkpoints that AI needs to go through. There's GDPR. It has already been there for quite a while. And in next year, I predict that we are going to at least see in some very regulated um, industries like finance and med medicine that you will have to go through an auditing process when you are, uh, want to implement uh, AI systems to do decision making. So that's something that I see for next year. So you see 2023 will be the year of green AI. Green AI, green IT, really strong emphasis, exactly. Green everything. <laughs> so, Mike, it will be the year of the green metaverse. <laughs> yeah, in 2023, Meta, if you ask me kind of to what, what I would see is, I, I do think, you're, like I said, you're, you're still going to see some movement in the metaverse space. I think you're going to see it more, honestly, I'd say on the Web3 side. Right, uh, Web three and NFTs, because you're already seeing some companies coming out with Web three experiences. You know, uh, Starbucks, for example, they're getting ready to to open up or launch their Web three loyalty program called Odyssey. Again, they've always been a leader in kind of the loyalty program, kind of gamification, interacting with customers through their loyalty program. I'm curious to see what this this new way of engaging uh, will be, and I think you're going to see a lot of uh, companies you know, kind of jumping on that that movement, uh, that Web3 movement. I think you'll see some more kind of 3D enabled kind of, you know, web experiences. But I, I just, I, I don't think you're going to see a lot of, uh, of kind of, you know, all in or, or big investments in kind of the metaverse in 2023. And the glasses, augmented reality? Yeah, so they are glasses. I just, Again, if, if you've used any of the current ones, right, I know uh, yeah. Ray-Ban has some and there's a couple other companies. They're just not there yet. Again, they're still they're still bulky. They can't do a lot. You know, we're all waiting to see what Apple comes up with. And Tia, if, if he would ask an AI, OpenAI, for instance, to predict 2023, what would be the answer? So let's say you type in a sentence. Technology-wise, 2023 will be the year of dot, dot, dot. Well... How I see it is maybe a nice green image showing green AI, something with a bunch of leaves around it, something hopeful. At least we need it to be for next year. <laughs> yeah. So there's hope in AI for the future. That's yes, good to hear. Exactly. Yeah. And Mike, last question for you. Normally we end this uh, show with let's meet in the metaverse. If we would meet in the metaverse any preference of a, a world that Tia, you and I would would join and have some fun? It depends on what experience we're looking for, right? If we're looking for a more, you know, kind of professional work base, right? We could do Horizon Workrooms. But if we want kind of a, a wild night in the metaverse, we could do VR chat uh, or, or a platform like that. So Tia, are you in for a, a wild ride in the metaverse? That's the of question. course. Yeah? <laughs> Of course. Okay, then I thank you both and would say, let's meet in VR chat next time. Thank you so much. Thanks, Meta. Thank you. I was fascinated there to hear that Mike thinks 
it is augmented reality wearables, which could be 2023's next big thing. And it makes sense, given AR is getting a bit normalized on our smartphones already. So like 2008 took us by surprise when it became the year of the smartphone, could 2023 do it again with the year of AR glasses? Well, time will tell. And will the metaverse's slow start in 2022 be replicated in 2023? Probably, but that doesn't mean its growth this year should be ignored. At Shujedi, we've been thinking about the metaverse for a long time. But it's only in the past year or so that it has truly entered the public consciousness. That isn't going to end anytime soon. And my predictions for next year? Well, I'll predict that playing with reality will be back next year. Because, well, this is the end of our first series. Series 2 will be filled with new guests and some fascinating new topics all about the future of technology. We hope you've enjoyed this first series of Playing With Reality. Thanks to Mike and Tia for their insight and personal predictions today, to all our guests throughout the series, and to you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and want to let us know, please do get in touch on LinkedIn, Twitter or Instagram and you can find us at Sojiti. And don't forget to subscribe and review Playing With Reality on your favorite podcast app, as it really helps others to find our show. Do join us again next time on Playing With Reality. Yeah.